sweet presence of the Lord in this place this morning. And I'm sure they're in your home as well. When we call upon the Lord, when we praise him in the middle of what seems to be perplexities, when we praise him, we actually open up the heavens to where God is showing up right where we are. He, the, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. I, wanna, I want you to open up the word of God to Psalm chapter 34. We're going to start there this morning. And I posted this online earlier in the week, but um, I want us to, I want to recall Psalm 34 this morning. It says this, I praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praise. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Verse 3, come, let us exalt his name together. Let us exalt the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. I, I, let me tell you something. The answer is on the way. No matter what situation you have dealt with, no matter what situation you're dealing with, if you are a person who's in alignment with the word of God, and you're praying his word, you're praying his will, you can expect that answer's on the way. And it says this, he freed me from all my fears. He freed me from all my fears. Say with me, all my fears. There's nothing left. He freed me from all of them. I want you to know something. The coronavirus is a serious thing, and there's a danger to it. They say it's, what, three or four or five more times more powerful than the, the average uh, virus. And it is something that we have to use common sense for. Common sense needs to be embraced but just don't let common sense be the hiding place of fear. Did you hear me? Don't let, the, don't let common sense go into a place of fear. In other words, we do things, we wash our hands, we do the things that they're asking us to do right now because this is a worldwide problem. This is a problem they don't have their hands on. This is a new virus. And yes, we walk in covering. We walk in the presence of God. We walk, but we, right now, we want them to get the handle on this. We want there to, as a nation we, and the world, we get a handle on this. And so we do common sense, but we don't give in to fear. We do not walk in fear. We walk with the King of Kings. For God says, I haven't given you a spirit of fear. We can't embrace fear and love at the same time. We cannot. We cannot embrace fear and love at the same time. It doesn't work. You're going to embrace one or the other. So we embrace the love of God. For perfect love, his perfect love casts out what? All fear. Amen. So we walk in his love. And it goes on to say, for God, for God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but we receive today his power. We receive his love and a sound mind. Power, love, and a sound mind. And that's how we flow. And where love is, fear cannot remain. So no matter what, we know that God is with us. He is for us. And he may bring in some alignment in the body of Christ. But let me tell you something this morning. We do not fear. We will not fear. We will be anxious for nothing. For nothing. But yet we'll use common sense. This is something that hasn't been on the world before. Hasn't been on the world stage before. Our doctors are trying to get a handle on it. So we're going to let them. In the meantime, we know that the miracle working someone comes down with the coronavirus, we're going to pray for them because we have the healing power of Jesus in our life. I, I, want, to, I want to encourage everybody. I want to encourage everybody at home. I want to encourage you to download the antivirus software called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Come on. 
right now we're going to down holy spirit come and we want a download of the software of the antivirus software called the baptism of the holy spirit come on somebody next to me says i've got wine flu okay so we've got new wine the baptism of the holy spirit jesus manifests through the power of the holy spirit so this is one of the greatest opportunities i believe this this is a divine setup because the enemy tries to do something to destroy. He tries to do something to, to maim, to put down, to shut down. But let me tell you something. This is a season. This is a divine appointment. God will use it as a divine appointment to literally move heaven and earth. So be encouraged this morning. Do not be discouraged, for God is on the throne, and we are his children. And let me tell you something. This isn't an end time. This isn't an end time disease. This isn't a revelation disease, because let me tell you something. I was listening to Michael Brown uh, last night, and he says, no, I don't believe that at all, because for one, there's no answer for when that, when that thing comes. When one-third of the population just goes, gone, there will not be. In the, as in the book of Revelation, there's not going to be a cure for that. There's not going to be an antivirus for that. There's not going to be an antidote. But there, let me tell you something. This is not it. But I believe this with all of my heart. This is an awakening. This is a resetting. This is a repositioning. This is a, an organizational movement. That God will use this to actually move heaven and earth. I believe we're about to go into one of the greatest moves of God that we have ever seen. This is going to help usher that in. God, the enemy may have meant this for total destruction, for total purposes of destruction, but let me tell you something. God is going to use this for the good. I'm going to get into that because I'm talking this morning. Let me finish for Psalm 34. I haven't forgot about that. I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. In the name of Jesus, free fear go in Jesus' name. It has no part in the body of Christ. It says, verse 5, those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I, pried, I prayed, and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. Say with me, all my troubles. He freed me from all of them, and he will free you. It says in verse 7, for the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys for those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. It says in verse 10, even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Hallelujah. It says in verse 11, come, my children, and listen to me, and I will teach you to fear the Lord. Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord, they watch over those who do right. He hears, his ears are open to their cries for help. Verse 16, but the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. And the verse 7, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. Say with me, all their troubles. That's a promise from God. Hmm. He'll rescue them from all their troubles. But the Lord, uh, but the Lord, uh, I'm sorry, the righteous 
person faces many troubles, the Lord rescues them each time. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous. Not one of them is broken. Calamity will uh, surely destroy the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. But the Lord will redeem those who serve him. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. You know, no one wishes. I don't know anybody in their right mind that wishes necessarily for a storm to come on their life. Nobody does. Nobody, nobody looks for hard times to come in life. Nobody says, hey, I, come on, I want them, bring them on. No one asks for suffering or storms. No one longs to wade through deep rivers of hurt or, or rejection and pain. Nobody likes that. Or try to find your way out of darkness of confusion and doubt and walk through those seasons. Nobody likes the seasons where they walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But yet, in the middle of them, we recognize that we fear no evil. And we also recognize that God says, I'm with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Jesus said that. But none of us like the storms, but storms come. People come to Winter Haven, I believe, because it says Winter Haven. It's a haven. And they think, I'm going to have a haven from the storms of the, summer, of the winter. And sure enough, but if you stay long enough, let me tell you something. You're going to get a storm. You stick around Florida long enough, you'll get a storm. Everywhere you go, there's a, there, you'll, you'll walk into a storm, and that's the way it is in life. And maybe that's why God reminds us over and over in His Word that trials are part of the journey. A, tr a trial is a part of your journey. They make us stronger. The Bible says that gives us endurance. It builds our faith. You know, the Psalm 34, David wrote it. David wrote it in perhaps the lowest part of his life, the lowest point of his life. He wrote, and he starts it off by rejoice, sing. He was alone. Think about it. David, at that time, he, his friend, he had walked away. He had to walk away from his friend Jonathan, who was his dearest friend. He was being chased by Saul and his assassins. He had run to hide in a cave of Agilum, which that meaning, if you look at it, which means this, it says their prey. He was in the, the, the of Agilum, the, their prey. He's their prey. Yet the beautiful sounds in the midst of that cave began to erupt in the midst of his storm. And he declared, I will praise the Lord at all times, and I will constantly speak his praises. I will bless him at all times. It says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 and 13, it says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to, degree, but to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Keep on rejoicing. I say keep on rejoicing. Men and women of God, we've got to keep on rejoicing no matter what's going on. It is our weapon in the midst of warfare. It's the weapon in the midst of the season. It's a choice, though. You have a choice to rejoice or not to. Our storms might look different, though, in this life, and they do. But they all have the opportunity to change us. They have, a they have an opportunity to change us forever. And you know what? God can take what seems tragic and devastating and turn it around for good. That's his plan. It may not happen as quickly as we like when you face the storm. It may feel like a struggle. And we might find ourselves longing for another way. But blessing will come from it. It's a promise of God, eventually. For it's the way God works. The good will shine through. 
and we won't ever be the same again. Can you say that with me? I won't be the same again. Because the person who eventually walks out of the storm will be different than the one who walked into it. Because God is faithful. He uses everything. You can be assured that God's work, God's work within you is never to harm you, but to strengthen you, to build you deeper, to build deeper character, and faith to bring you out as pure gold. God wants to shine in as pure gold. He wants to be able to see Jesus. When you look in a reflection, when you look back, it looks back at you. The smelter, they keep taking off the top, keep skimming off the top. They keep skimming off the top and skimming off the top until what happens? They know that that gold is pure when they can see their reflection purely in the gold, purely in what there's looking back at them. There's not a mar, there's not a smudge, there's nothing. They look into that, that pot. They look into that smelters and they go, that's, that's it. I can see my reflection. And God takes us through the storms until we can see his reflection in us. We see his reflection. That is a follower of Jesus. That is my son. That, and that's why we go through the storms. He brings his encouragement, character, discipline that we didn't have before. We walk out of the storm different than we walked in. He never promised us, he, would, he, he promised us he would never leave us. He never promised it, it would be easy though. But he does promise that he's bigger than any storm we face. He's bigger than this storm called the coronavirus. Come on, way bigger. But it's gonna do its course. He's always bigger, he's always for our good. Hebrews 12, six, for the Lord disciplines and corrects those whom he loves and he punishes every son whom he, he receives and welcomes to his heart. But let me tell you something, it's always out of love, it's always out of encouragement and it's always out of for our good. So consider it all joy, rejoice when you have these trials, they come. He's with us right in the midst of all of them. I wanna remind you today of seven promises of the word of God. And some things that I sense the Lord is telling us as a church in the moment. Seven promises from the Word of God to bring good from the storms we face, that God brings good from the storms we face. The number one is this. I want you to turn, if you have your Bibles, turn at home to Job chapter 23. Write these things down. Write them. You can come back and listen to this, but Job 23 verse 10 it says this, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Now, I just talked about this a moment. He wants to, us to see. He wants to see his reflection come out of us, that we look like Jesus. I will come out forth as pure gold when after being, what, tested. We will come out as gold, tested, tried, true. God knows our way, and we're only passing through. He reminds us that we will come out to the other side, change for better, stronger, shining beautifully, and more dependent upon Him. I want us to turn to Daniel 3. We're going to move around. If you want, I'm going to just tell the story for a second. Daniel chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 14 through 18. Nebuchadnezzar, this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods? 
or to worship the gold statue I have set up. I will give you one more chance if you bow down and worship the statue I have made. When you hear the sound of the musical instruments, all will be well. No worries, no problem. But if you refuse, if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing fire. And what God, what God will be able to rescue you from my power then? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into this blazing fire, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, your majesty can be sure that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Kathy mentioned this earlier. It's interesting. Think about it. I've never seen this in my lifetime. Been here 55 years, going on 56 in August. I've never seen this, where everything is shut down. It's almost like the hand of God hit a button. Now, I'm not saying this came from God but I'm sensing God's using it. It's interesting what's happening, literally entertainment, entertainment, think about it, entertainment is literally shut down. Now you can't even go to a restaurant as of last night in Florida. You can't go to a restaurant, sit and hang out. You gotta get your food and go somewhere else. It's an interesting time. You can't, you can't, go, you can't go to the hockey game, can't go to Tampa Bay uh, Lightning. I'm kind of missing that. I was about to get into the playoffs. Man, come on, let's go. And that's like nothing. Everything's coming to a halt. Now you can't even, it, it, it's like, like I said, someone, someone pushed a button and, and Kathy hit on this and she, she dived into my notes and she didn't know it. <laughs> But God is seeking to do something, and here's what I, I believe. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow to the idols. And the Lord is, I believe the Lord is hitting a reset button for his church to make him number one again in their life. I really do. God is seeking to expose and remove the idols that have been in our hearts during this time. This is what I sense Though the, wherever this came from, I believe God is going to use this, and he's already doing this in me. He's, it's like reset. Let's put the TV aside. Let's put this aside. Reset. God is seeking to expose and remove the idols that have been in our hearts during this time. It's a discipline of the nations that God is allowing. A discipline. God is seeking, God is speaking to us to get our own house in order. It's time to get our own house in order. Why? I already mentioned it earlier. There's going to be a mighty move of God, and He wants His church refined in this process. He wants us to, he wants us to be pure gold walking out of this, seeking His heart, putting our refocus, refocusing our minds and our hearts off of ourselves and into the kingdom like never before, to refocus, to reposition, to make sure our heart is pure before the Lord and that He has our full and undivided attention. God is speaking to us to get out of our, get, get our own houses in order. It is righteousness that exalts a nation. 
This is a time to examine our hearts. It's a time to rebuild our personal and marriage and family times of intimacy with Him. This is a time to repent of any and all idolatry and not merely the obvious ones of anger, lust, and, and, uh, and uh, um, materialism and unforgiveness. Those are the obvious ones. shouldn't have it in your life. But he's also doing this. I believe he's also saying, I don't want the wasting of time anymore. I don't want a wasting of your talents on ourselves instead of expending these to advance the kingdom of God. It's a time not merely to repent of the sins of commission, but the sins of omission. What are the sins of omission? The failure to pray. Failure to read the Word of God. Failure to gather around the Word of God in our families. Failure to share our faith with those around us. It's a wake-up call. I'm telling you, church, this is a wake-up call because a mighty move of God is coming to this nation. And I'm telling you right now, I'm going to be a part of that. I'm going to be a part of that. This church is going to be a part of that. This is church is designed to be a, a light on the top of the hill. God is speaking to us right now. Are we listening to the wake-up call? Are we noticing the reset button? A call to wake up from the spiritual slumber that far too many have in the body of Christ have just kind of floated along and just kind of meandered away for weeks and months, years, and maybe even decades. This is a time for repositioning. This is time for laser focus. This is a time to hear the voice of God in the midst of this season. Many people, many of us, we have a time. We have more time on our hands to just kind of go and hear that voice. Retune into the God channel. I'm not talking TV. I'm talking about in the spirit. We need to retune into the God channel and keep it on and flow. Awake, arise, seek God's face and not his hand. Learn to be content in his presence. Allow his presence, listen, to be your daily bread. His presence is my daily bread. He's my life source. He's my everything. I think if we walk through this and we are numb to any of that, we have missed everything that we could going into this next season. God comes to the, those who are dear to his heart. God, we just read in Psalm 34, God comes near to those who, are, who, who fear him, who reverence him, who honor him. You go back to, you go back to uh, the Jesus with the woman at the encounter of the well. It was, all, it was about, she says, well, where do you guys worship? We worship here, you guys worship there. He says, there's coming a time when people worship neither here nor there. there. It's going to be a 24-7 full-on worship experience. This isn't going to be flip-switching. Sunday, I serve God. Monday, we never leave the kingdom. We take the kingdom with us. We are the kingdom. We, we walk in the kingdom. We live in the kingdom. Our business is in the kingdom. Our family's in the kingdom. We don't turn things on and off. We are worshipers of the living God. And in that, in that, we know that we're world changers. We're not of this world. And we bring the answer. We bring his goodness to arrive on the scene. So we seek his face and not his hand. We learn to be content in his presence. Allow his presence to be your daily bread. What sustains and empowers you to live right 
not merely in times of crisis, but at all times. Like Paul, learn to be content in Jesus, whatever circumstances you may find yourself in. And let me tell you something right now, be content. Be anxious for nothing. Seek his face like never before. Get that download constantly, Holy Spirit come. If we will implement the God-focused lifestyle that he is calling us into, then we will be able to use, uh, he'll be able to use us to be his answer to the crisis that is facing this nation and the nations abroad. We will be his mouthpiece and his hands and his feet. And in this way, what Satan meant for evil throughout, through this coronavirus will be turned around to great and glorious good by God. Amen. It says in Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, for I know for I know the plans you have that I have for you. This is God declaring over you. Listen online. Listen in this room. God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. It says then this. We usually stop right there. But it says on, it says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me, listen, when you search for me with all your heart. All of it. We already know this. Jesus says, all the commandments can be wrapped into this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then out of that, love your neighbor as yourself. God will give you the measure of his presence that you're willing to jealously guard. God will give you the measure of his presence that you're willing to jealously guard. The willingness for us to become jealous for him. Are you jealous for him as much as he's jealous for you? Are you jealous for him? The willingness for us to become jealous for him is a huge part of the measure of his presence that he allows to rest on his people. Yeah, we need to silence our cell phones. God's calling, though. God is calling. I want to turn back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for a second as I close out this first promise. I'm spending a little long on this first promise because I really believe this is what God's saying to us, the church. He's refining us. He's a refiner's fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego realized this though, this whole thing about jealously guarding your heart. Jealousy says, guard your heart for out of it flow the issues of life. Bill Johnson says your internal realities become your external ones. Jealously guard this. Let it, you got it going on. The world in chaos can be in chaos all the time. It does not matter. You got it going on on the inside. You're at peace in the midst of any storm because of Jesus is there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego realized, though, they realized this whole thing about the heart 
were, they were committed to jealously guard their heart and not allow it to be divided. They would not trade God's fire for foreign fire, so they got thrown into the fire. Verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. How dare you? And then he says, make that fire seven times hotter. Turn it up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saw the men who carried them to the furnace collapse and die from the, the intense heat while they were still outside the furnace. These guys are dead. They're still alive. Then while in the fire, they wait for excruciating pain. Never came. They wait to be suffocated. Never came. Smoke inhalation. They don't feel any different, and it begins to dawn on them. Wait a second. I, I, I'm not even warm. I don't, I don't even... It's like I can smell smoke, but I'm in the fire, but I don't feel it. No burns, no smoke, and they're no longer tied up. They're free. But here's the best part. It's what turns this from a miracle to a divine encounter. Verse 24, but suddenly as he was watching, Nebuchadnezzar jumped in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, hey, didn't we just tie up three? I thought we just tied up three. Yeah, we tied up three. Well, why is there four? I see four. Hey, didn't we tie up three? I see four. Why do I see four? They said, yes, we did. Indeed, your majesty. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, well, then there's four unbound, walking around in the fire. They aren't even hurt by the flames. And the fourth looks like a divine being. So now there's a fourth member in the furnace. Who was he? Many scholars believe, and I do, because he says it looks like he's an appearance of the Son of God. Because he was. The text doesn't say it, but I believe it was Jesus. The pre... The, uh, Jesus showed up. And apparently they had a huddle in the furnace. Can you imagine? I, what did they say to each other? Some hot topics? <laughs> That's good. He said some hot topics. I wonder, I wonder what, they, what the fourth man said in the furnace. I wonder if he, the fourth man in the furnace told them how proud the father was of their loyalty and resolve, their devotion and love. I wonder. I wonder if he told them that because of this one act of faithfulness that on March 22nd, 2020, they'd be preaching about you. I wonder if he told them that for centuries all over the world, men and women facing sufferings or persecution or trial or even death would be encouraged by hearing their story. I wonder. And I wonder what they said to the fourth man. I bet they poured out adoration and gratitude and worship. They came to this place planning not to worship. I will not worship to your idol, but they ended up worshiping like never, worshiping like never before. Why? Because Jesus is with us in the midst of the storm. But he knows the way that I take Job 23.10, and when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Let me give you, I'm going to run through some other promises real quick. I, it, John 16.33, write this down, chew on this this week. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He reminds us 
that we're, we have troubles in this world, but he's already overcome it all. So we rest in his victory. We don't have to strive for victory. We, we flow from the victory that's already been provided. And God is going to make a way in this situation. We, we see Romans 8, 28, and we know all things work together for the good to those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those of us who love him and are called, his promises, the powerful words, in all things, he says, even in this situation, he's got things under control. Not in just the good things that happen, but in all, we can be assured he will bring good from it. If it's not good right now in your life and you're a child of God, just keep waiting. God's going to work out the good. So just keep waiting. Keep anticipating. God is working for your good. Sometimes the good that God brings to us doesn't seem good at the moment. But then when we look back at history, we'll go, wow, God, you were good. Sometimes he doesn't give us what we want. He gives us what we need. And most of the time, that doesn't always come. That's why we go back and say, thank you, Lord, for the trial. Even in this trial, I consider it all joy because you're doing something in me. It says in James 1, the next one is James 1, 2 through 3, consider it pure joy when brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. God reminds us, though, to, to choose joy whenever we face anything. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks. We never gain spiritual muscle by going through an easy time. It's always through difficulty. There's always a strengthening, a flexing a muscle that hasn't been flexed before. It's always through. It's always through difficulty. 2 Corinthians number 5 is 2 Corinthians 1, 4 through 5. Who comforts us in all our troubles so that we comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God? For just as we shared abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. There's great comfort in knowing that God will use what we have experienced. God, I always say this before, God never wastes a hurt, and it's always for somebody else. So when we go through a storm, we know, and we go through a, a, an, an intense trial, we know that God is going to use that. As we go out through it rightly, God is going to use it for our good, for somebody else what he's done in us. Number six is this, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. And then let me just give you this one. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an, an external glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 
I'm going to go back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for a second. They hoped to be delivered from the furnace, but instead God did something. He delivered them in the furnace. Jesus said to them what he says to people still today, I'll meet you in that furnace. Sometimes we're furnace avoiders. Sometimes we, we, wanna, we want the easy way. We don't want to do the difficult way, that thing that causes us to stretch in our faith. And I believe this is a season where God wants us. He says, look, I've got something for you to do. I want to refine your focus, and then I'm going to do something in the midst of what seems to be chaos around you. I'm going to use you to bring divine answers to people's perplexities because you've got it going on the inside. They need to have it going on on the inside. So they need you to share and to tell and to release the kingdom. What looks scary, dangerous, and painful, and maybe even a life-threatening storm turns out to be where Jesus is. And amazingly, it's the safest place of all. Bill Johnson, I love this. Bill says this. He says, the safest place is on the front lines. The safest place is on the front lines of the warfare in the kingdom of God. It's not in the back where you're, you, you're kind of like passe, unengaged. Hey, they got it up front. I'm good back here. No, it's on the front lines. All of our armors for forward progress our eyes are forward. There's no hel holes in the back of the helmet. They're always in the front. We're always moving forward. Our position is always forward. The kingdom of God is always advancing, and we are advancing with it. What looks scary and dangerous? When Jesus is in your boat, let me tell you something, you're not going to sink. And with Jesus, it turns out to be an adventure for Shadrach and Meshach, a venture of a lifetime. Jesus says, follow me. It's going to look dark. It's going to look dangerous, but keep following me. The furnace looked like the end, but it turned out to be the greatest thing that had, they had ever experienced. It was the can't-miss event of their life. The furnace looked like a certain death, but it turned out to be the safest place of all. Why? Because God was there. God was there. You see, God delivers people sometimes not from the furnace, but oftentimes he delivers them in the middle of the furnace, and those are the greatest times of your life. You'll look back and go, look what God did. Wow. I want to encourage you this morning to be encouraged. Do not lose hope. Refocus some things. Ask Holy Spirit, what is it? What is it that's taken my, Father, what is it that's taken my attention away from spending it with you? What is it that idols that you want? If there's idols there, what are they? Holy Spirit. I think most of the time we know if we pause to listen. We pause to think in this moment where you, the things that we've reached to aren't there anymore. The things that we've gone after, they're just not there. It says in Matthew 14, 30, and I'm going to close with this. When Peter saw the strong wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. 
I want to remind you some of a couple of truths as we close. When you're going through a storm, when you're going through a storm, God is not distant or uninvolved. He's the great I am. And he's working in your life for your good. I want to give you five things that God wants you to do if you feel like you're sinking in a, in a storm right now, because you're not. If you think you're sinking in a storm, have courage because Jesus is with you. Don't ever argue with a fear. Just tell it where to go. Tell it to go to talk to Jesus. Faith isn't the absence of fear. It's the presence of belief. Have courage. Be encouraged today. Do not lose hope. Take, and the second is this. Take a risk in faith. Take a risk in faith. Don't ask God to bless what you're doing. Do what God is blessing. One of the things that, one of the things that I'm on a journey right now as an ambassador for all pro pastors to India is, to, is that I have uh, some dreams and visions for this house, but it's like the Lord says, I want you to take a break from that. I want you to go all the way around the world. And a few weeks ago, I was all the way around the world in India. And God says, I want you to see something. Look what I'm doing. And then I, I, I became this. So what, 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 what I'm saying is, God began to speak to me and open my horizons, not just for the local, but, and I've always had a power, a, a, a desire for the nations, but, and gone to many, but it's like the Lord saying, I'm doing something here. I need your attention here. And some of you here today and online, be listening and be ready to step out and take a risk. And because look and notice what God's doing. Look what God's wanting you to reach out for. Look what God wants you to step out of the boat for. And even in the midst of the storm, it seems stormy. It doesn't matter. Step out in the boat and step into what God wants you to do. He'll be there. You will not sink. He's got your provision. He's a good God, and you can trust him. Take a risk in faith. He have encouraged because Jesus is with you. Take a risk in faith. Ask him what he wants you to do, and they'd be willing to get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. Number three is this. Stay focused on Jesus. Stay focused. The moment you take your eyes off the Lord, you're going under. Have this in your focus. I will never lose my sight of the king. He's always in view. Jesus, for the prize set before him, endured the cross. He had a view. He had a, this is the goal. This is my point. This is my purpose. Matthew 14, 30 says, but when Peter saw the strong wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. You see, when you focus on the wind and the waves, your circumstances, you're going to sink just like Peter. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. That's a good amen. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at Christ, you will be at rest. Amen. So we have three so far. Have courage because Jesus is with you. Take a risk in faith. Stay focused on Jesus. Four, don't doubt. Don't doubt. Doubt your doubts. 
You don't need great faith to make it through the storm in your life. You just need faith in the right person. Can you say amen? amen. We need faith in the right person, Jesus. And the last one, five, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Rejoice always. Even in the storm, even when you feel like you're sinking, even when you're scared to death, praise Him all the time. Thank God in the middle of the storm. What storm is scaring you right now? Praise Him. What storm is sinking you right now? Praise Him. Why do you think God is letting you go through the storm? Praise Him. He's letting you go through the storm for the same reasons He sent the disciples into the storm to say, I'm all you need. I'm all you need. Trust. It's a theme throughout this day. Kathy, Michael, Crystal, trust. Praise Him. He says, I'm all you need. I can handle anything. I will come to you in the ninth hour. I'll come walking on the very things that scare you the most. I'm not asking you to come to me. He says, I'm going to come to you. I want you to hear that right now. Jesus came to them. Jesus came to them in the midst of the storm. He comes walking by. Jesus is walking. He's with you. Know this. Jesus said, nothing can separate you from my love. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I will never leave you or forsake you. Matthew 28, 20. And lo, I am with you always, remaining with you perpetually. Regardless of circumstances, it says, Amplified Bible, remaining with you perpetually, regardless of circumstances, on every occasion, even to the end of the age. That's what Jesus says to us today. Hey, I'm with you. In this room, why don't you guys stand with me? If you're at home, will you stand? Let's stand together. I want us just to lift our hands right now and praise the King. Can we just say, Lord Jesus, I praise you. Father, we love you. We set our affection on you. We set our hearts on you, God. We bless you, Father. Father, we thank you that in this hour, you are with us. The storms seem real. They are real. But you have a greater the God within us is greater than that reality. We thank you, Father. The storm may have been around us, but it's not inside us. We got the peace going on on the inside. And Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I speak to this, to our church family, anyone who has been overcome with anxiety, in the name of Jesus, I speak peace. Where there was a storm, where there's fear, I can't, we cancel fear in the name of Jesus. And if you're here, just, and you, just in the name, say this, in the name of Jesus, I renounce fear. I renounce it. I was commanded to leave. In Jesus' name, I receive the peace of God that passes all understanding. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Excuse me a second. I need to get my other device. I just want to pray over you this morning. I want to declare over you a passage. Just even right now, just ask Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. 
fill. Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Fill me, Holy Spirit, come. I pray for a fresh encounter of your goodness, Father, a fresh encounter of your love, of your purposes, of your design. Father, I pray for fresh vision for your people, Lord. I pray, Father, that we would, you would show us the things you want us to do in this hour, and we will not walk in fear, but we will walk in faith. We have the answer, and you are a good God. And we have the good news. I pray that, Father, we will not bow to fear, but we will step out in faith. Lord, even if the waves are above us, they're wanting to go over us, and you're telling us to step out in the boat. Lord, we know that you're with us in the storm. We know that you're with us as we step out, and that, God, we will keep our laser focus on you. Jesus, we will keep our focus on you, and we will not be afraid. In Jesus' name. I'm going to read this over you. You can read it later. Hebrews chapter 13. And if you just stay in that receiving position, it's Hebrews 13 verse 20. Now may the God who brought us peace by raising from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ so that he would be great, the great shepherd of his flock and by the power of the blood of the eternal covenant may he work perfection into every part of you giving you all that you need to fulfill your destiny. May he give you all that you need to fulfill your destiny and may he express through you all that is excellent and pleasing to him through your life union with Jesus, the anointed one, who is to receive all glory forever. Amen. So, Father, we thank you. Bless your church today. Bless your people. We thank you, Lord. You're our great provider. We thank you, Father, that you bring us to a place that we say, you're all I need. Thank you for the reset button. Thank you for our rising church. Thank you, Father, for an amazing move of God. We're expecting it. And Father, we're going to step out now. We're going to up our prayer game. We're going to up our word game. We're going to get into the word. We're going to get in prayer. We're going to get the focus. Give us the directive, Holy Spirit, and we'll go in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you, church. Give us a call if you need us. Send us a note. We're here for you. In Jesus' name, amen.